This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. But Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! And now, it's time for Coach Hogg's Locker Room. Good morning, good morning. Uh, it is a good little chilly morning here in the uh, Piney Woods of North Central Florida in God's country. Professor Ward Scott, now Coach Hogg for a little bit on our Coach Hogg Monday beginning show here uh, every Monday. And uh, we're in the Mountain Law Studio, 352-325-3938 in the Manly Warthog Command Center. And uh, we're going to bring you some controversial subjects, I guess. And Hopefully, they'll stimulate you to have another cup of coffee and engage yourself with the wonderful day ahead of us. Hopefully, keep your fingers crossed. And um, start out with some things that are really kind of interesting locally here. Uh, the ladies, of course, basketball team, which yours truly has been a fan of for quite a while, uh, didn't quite cut, uh, cut the mustard there in the first round, but they had a couple of uh, players out with injuries and injured one during the game. and. Uh, but I tell you, the team that beat the University of Central Florida was very impressive with her defense. Uh, I think that was the difference, actually. The defensive hustle of the University of Central Florida uh, Lady Gators, uh, um, Central Florida Knights basketball team, really didn't give the Lady Gators much room to catch a breath. So I applaud them for that uh, coaching. And um, hopefully you'll become kind of a fan of this Um as we said last week, uh, March Madness is now a term that's being used both by the playoffs of the women and the playoffs of the men. And uh, we've got a, um, a female player who actually dunked the ball the other day. Um, I've got somewhere I've got that clip. I put it out on Facebook. It was amazing. Bam, up above the rim and slam. And uh, that's an exciting play, of course, in, in basketball, much like the collision at home plate used to be. Uh, I think they've watered that collision down. I, I noticed that the catcher stands out in front of the plate now rather than blocking it. I don't know if that's style or rule. I have to check with my aficionados to be brought up to date on that. But uh, the uh, Lady Gators uh, have had a great season. We wish the Coach Kelly Ray Finley the best. And it's going to be very tough uh, to compete for these ladies because there's so much parity now in the Lady Gator, uh, in the, I keep saying the Lady Gator, but in the, women's basketball um, uh, sport. Tremendous amount of parity. And uh, the, the players are sought after by a number of teams. The programs for women have been ramped up and more and more equal that of the men, although they're not same playing field uh, here at Florida anyway quite yet. We do have more money now available, more emphasis being placed on uh, Lady Gator basketball since Kelly Ray Finley was hired full-time. I know her assistants got more money. She got an upgrade in facilities and things that really needed to be done 
Uh, and if you want to come and see exciting basketball here and us compete with these players um, from other schools. So uh, uh, that was um, uh, nevertheless a um, trip to the big dance was um, the first in a long time for the uh, Lady Gator basketball team. And we sure hope there'll be more in the future. Um, leave it to the branding uh, experts. They have found a way to take advantage of the name, the last name of the new uh, no-name who, um, a basketball coach for the men. His, his name is Golden. And of course, wouldn't you know it, that somebody over there in Brainiac branding world, are now they're now calling this, and I'm looking at this plea for season tickets for basketball, which says secure your seats in exact tech arena or the beginning of a new, here we go, golden era in Florida basketball. Have you ever? Uh, nothing has been missed, uh, I guess, by the brand branding experts. Uh, more power to them. I mean, that's a very essential part of marketing is the branding. And we've now got a golden era in basketball. Of course, how gold it actually is remains to be seen. Um, they're very, very tough shoes here to follow, I suppose. The two most successful people here have been Lon Kruger and, of course, Billy Donovan, as the national guys used to call Donovan. They'd always call him Donovan. Um, so we had Lon Kruger and then we had Billy Donovan, and we haven't had much since. And it's been um, disappointing. We've gone, we went and tore up the old configuration of the basketball uh, playground there and made it uh, separated into the high rollers and the commoners. And, you know, high rollers get to enjoy uh, uh, um, and eat and slobber and drool and uh, right in front of the commoners as the, uh, the game progresses and even before it begins and on into it. So that was some, I mean, that was something I guess that was going to, I don't know what it was going to do somehow entice a, the golden era to come here. So I'm sure that the golden era of golden uh, is uh, he's not coming from an arena like this one. And we'll see if it makes a difference. So um, uh, the Gators, um, I think, finally got kicked out of the NIT, uh, played lackluster ball. And uh, this has always been a, a problem for them. They've been up and down, no consistency. Some people who really study the game call it street ball. Um, couldn't really see any deliberate kind of uh, offensive mind behind the street ball. I think that's one of the things that got um, the um, – uh, the the problem uh, with the fans is they didn't they didn't see a kind of a real coaching influence. Uh, the team was made up of a bunch of transfer portal people, and that remains, of course, a mystery as to how it's going to affect uh, the sporting world in the future. These transfer portals we've already got this quarterback for the Gators has left, and whom I always said was just good enough to get you beat. Uh, he's not a great quarterback. Never was a great quarterback. Uh, but he was fast. Every once in a while, he could move the team, but no consistency, no real intellect behind the, under the helmet. You could see that right away. When, when a quarterback should be, ideally, the smartest player on your team. And when you have a good quarterback, uh, you generally test them for IQ and all that kind of business, cognitive ability, and you'll find that there is a correlation uh, between their intellects, what uh, between the ears and under the helmet, and their ability to sling the ball to the right place at the right time. Uh, so the really good quarterbacks are very smart. 
Now, they may not have finished school. Uh, I've got a couple in mind right here that you might know if I mentioned that, you know, really took uh, school kind of for granted and school took that person for granted and didn't care whether that person went to school or not. This whole student hyphen athlete thing has always been a hoax. Um, but they always run out a few cases of somebody who took industrial engineering or, you know, they've got a few cases, but generally speaking, and that's only going to get worse. Um, now you're really going to have a kind of a mercenary team out there. It's going to be a team of mercenaries. And I'm not saying mercenaries aren't good. Um, I, I think the French Foreign Legion is made up of mercenaries. And these are guys who are professional warriors. They love it. They go find war. They hate it when there's not a war. Any war will do. Uh, that's kind of where we're moving in the sports world. Uh, just a bunch of professional mercenaries. And really, if it's successful, it'll draw more blood and therefore more fans in the stands. Um, these mercenary teams uh, really get to the place where they're talking people pretty hard and dragging the bodies off the field and this, that, wing and other. Uh, you'll see the fans come back to the stands. So they, they, they would even come prefer to see that in person and hear it because they can really hear the katonks when they hit. Uh, the fans are a bloodlusty group in football. I mean, they, they, let's, let's just put it down to the level it is. They're, they have thin veneer of civilization. And I remember sitting behind a, a little lady one time who was a little lady, had um, purple hair and the whole bit and the nice clothing and the earrings and all this and that and sitting very properly and some uh, something happened out on the field and she said, kill him, kill him! And uh, you instantly saw the little lady become what human beings, I guess, really are, what the military guys always say, um, bloodthirsty to begin with. We just got a thin veneer of civilization painted over us, uh, peel that back, and we're just as cannibalistic as anything that ever came out of the darkest recesses of the darkest parts of the world. So um, we'll see how that all works out with this transfer portal. Um, you know, I uh, eat lunch once in a while with some former Gator swimmers, you know, until recently, Gator swimmers, they didn't have any scholarships. I mean, it is such a boring sport for the spectator. Um, the guys, they're, they're underwater. Um, nothing's happening. Nobody's getting crunched. Uh, it's not much of a spectator sport. Um, gymnastics pulls more because uh, the possibility of somebody will bounce off the thing head first instead of feet first. And that kind of keeps the oohs and the ahs coming. Um, the, the, uh, Swimming is kind of a, just a, a dull deal until now. Until now, we've really got finally an issue in swimming that is poking its ugly head uh, above water, if you will. And you know what it is. It's the look down and see what you've got. Uh, male and fluidity who's become a female. And uh, now it's uh, swimming and uh, beating uh, smithereens out of the real females in, uh, in swimming. And... Um, um, it's, uh, it's mostly been taboo to come out and criticize it because, uh, this is the whole big, uh, uh, you know, run up the flag. Next thing to believe in is, uh, biological sex doesn't exist. However, if you ask your physician friends, uh, the importance of knowing what the biological sex is, uh, that must be known whenever they get ready to, uh, become related with this patient. Uh, and, and their role as doctors. They, 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 they don't need to know anything about what you chose to be or your mama talked you into being. They want to know what you were 
biologically at birth. And they say that should be on your birth certificate, no uncertain terms. Otherwise, they don't have any really real good way to, tr to track and predict and pr perhaps uh, uh, apply medical uh, techniques to whatever it is you might need as uh, you get farther down the road into mortality. But um, there is a lady swimmer who has spoken to Fox News, um, but she's spoken on the condition of, uh, that she remain anonymous uh, for fear of the retribution from the woke lefties. You know, the woke lefties are about the meanest people walking on the face of the earth. Uh, they're nasty. Um, I think spittle runs down their chin, or the females especially. Uh, F-bombs and all that stuff. Most unladylike females you'll ever bump into in your life. Uh, chips on their shoulder. And they have threatened to come after anybody who defends uh, this male who's swimming in the female uh, competition. And uh, so this swimmer, uh, she says that allowing, this was a biological male now, um, Leah Thomas is the theme, is its name now, okay? Leah Thomas, uh, to swim as a female, this swimmer says is not fair and makes the achievements of real women meaningless. Even Martina Navatilova, uh, who is, uh, you know, publicly everyone is, is, is a lesbian, nevertheless says you don't want males uh, participating in female sports. Now, the irony of that is that the coach who made her really lose her baby fat and become tough and hard was Renee Richards. Renee Richards was Dr. Richards, a male uh, uh, pediatric ophthalmologist, and a big fan, good tennis player, who had went through the whole sex transformation thing and became, quote unquote, a female and talked to WTA into letting her, who was a him, play on the women's tennis circuit where he, him, her, got the tar beat out of him. Uh, and I knew uh, Renee Richards very, very well. Uh, Renee Richards played at the club where I played. And uh, we became, um, I wouldn't say friends, but we, we really, we spent quite a bit of time together because uh, Renee Richards was looking for a place to begin a tennis camp for women. And I was the I was I had a broker's license in real estate, and so also a tennis player. And so I took Renee Richards around to show Renee Richards property. And Renee Richards had a lot of money behind her coming out of Philadelphia, as I recall. And Renee Richards wanted to create a camp for women uh, players uh, and developing into potential superstars like Martina Navatilova. And no doubt, but what Renee Richards knew how to do that. Very, very smart person. Um, uh, actual encyclopedia type mind when it came to baseball statistics and could quote them off the top of her head. Uh, but, um, uh, you know, that, that's the only personal experience I have with that sort of actual sex change. Now, of course, we know that women's sports have lesbians, but they are biological females. And that is the real distinction to remember here. Uh, they were born females. They have on their birth certificate females. And that's what this swimmer is saying should be the case in swimming, that you do not allow someone who was born biologically, biological male uh, to become competitive with the women. Uh, the reason Renee Richards did not succeed 
is she was too old when she went out there. Uh, she had this operation really midlife. And you just, I don't care what you are, man or woman, midlife, you can't go out there and beat those women when they're 19, 20, 21 years old. Um, and, and, and that was just the case. So, but in swimming, you see, it's, uh, it's not the same. Uh, those are the same age people who are swimming for a university or, and um, they're, you know, uh, Richards was in some case 10, 15 years older than the person uh, she was playing. And, um, and so just got uh, skunked right away by the, by the superior player. But when you have them in the same class, in the same event, uh, at the same age, uh, you have to really wonder uh, who in the world dreamt this up and why is it being sanctioned? Um, the uh, women's records is the argument this anonymous female swimmer is making uh, are separate from men's records. Uh, these records are their own distinct categories uh, because no biological woman is going to be as fast as a biological man. And uh, so this lady argues that we're just throwing away the definition of a record to fit into somebody's woke agenda when in reality it makes no scientific sense to do so. Here is the real, real issue. How in the world can political ideological uh, positions uh, uh, compete with and actually defeat uh, scientific uh, validity? I, I don't get it. You know, what, what, what world is this coming from? But um, the people now are afraid to speak out. I'm gonna morph over in a little bit to the don't say gay bill and talk with you a little bit about that because I've been doing some research on it and I think I'm gonna be lining up some speakers on it in the future. Um, but uh, there are fair, the NCAA, according to the women uh, protesters who are remaining anonymous, uh, feel that the NCAA lacks courage to do the right thing. Um, if this man, female breaks Olympics records, it will really become an impossibility for a real woman to ever uh, beat uh, or compete with that record. Um, and um, so there are harsh words that are going around, but they're being said behind their hands so that they don't get retribution from the woke culture. Um, so the other thing that is very unfortunate, according to the really good female swimmers, is that the media, and I entitled today's show, The Corporate Media, uh, because they have a narrative that is completely dominated by political correctness and uh, you know the woke agenda and the progressive left values. We all know that. Um, and so the media has practically devoted the whole season uh, to articles about Leah Thomas. Uh, everything has been about L Leah nothing much at all about the, reg the regular swimmers who sacrificed everything since they were little kids. If you're gonna be a competitive swimmer, you've been in the pool competing since you were a little kid. I used to work with one of the top swim coaches um, who we coached uh, the young ones and uh, they went on to become Olympians and I was helping. I won't mention the coach, but he's extremely well known. I had the honor of working with him and we coached the young ones uh, and uh, they were under the gun and swimming competitively at that time. So um, trying to make it. So there's been nothing about them, uh, this protester says, um, nothing about how they have sacrificed their lives to be competitive. Um, so it's all about this uh, stunt 
that uh, she calls it, uh, this person is pulling. And uh, it's um, the records, you know, as far as this swimmer is concerned, are illegitimate. Um, they, they ruin the integrity of the school. They ruin the integrity of the sport. And um, um, this is not the first time one of the University of Pennsylvania teammates has spoken up. Some of them have sent letters to the University of Pennsylvania and to the Ivy League expressing concerns about allowing Thomas to compete. Um, but so far, no avail. The school has refused to take any actions against Thomas, uh, who is currently in the NCAA championships in Atlanta, uh, as I understand it, or at least was at the time of this article, was, which was uh, written by Todd Houston, um, who was obviously interested enough to take, take that story on and, uh, and not be uh, concerned with retribution from it. Um, pardon me while I take a sip of coffee from the Mr. Right, Mr. Always Right cup there. Uh, so that's, that's really what's going on in the ESPN has chimed in on this. Much to my disappointment, I was watching the lady um, basketball tournament, NCAA tournament, and during the break, the announcers, which were probably lesbians, which is fine. Um, that's their business. That's what they want to do. Uh, but they came out and endorsed um, uh, this whole LTGBTQWXYZ protest against what amounts to, and specifically the focus of it, is Florida right now and DeSantis. Um, the corporate media is busily uh, trying to uh, uh, besmirch DeSantis and the Florida legislature in Florida. And one of the reasons the corporate media is doing this is because Florida carries so many electoral votes. And as Florida goes, generally, so goes the nation in terms of a lot of political uh, uh, situations. So uh, right now, if you take a look at the press that Florida gets from the corporate media. And remember that the Gainesville Sunset is not a local paper. It's really a part of uh, the Gateway Network and uh, it is all liberal. Uh, it's writers, very few of whom uh, really come from here. Uh, we'll give you the, the uh, pitch uh, that uh, um, the, the, uh, the woke wants you to pitch and so when you read the Gainesville Sunset, you're not reading a local paper. Um, about the most local coverage is done right here on the Word Scott Files. If you want to read some, you'll get over to the Lotteral Chronicle and read some there. Sometimes the Main Street News, but not nearly as, as, um, as influential as we are. And I believe that the fact that we cover so much local stuff has put pressure on the Gainesville Sunset. Uh, they've made a hue and cry for people who know about local stories to feed them to them now. Uh, good luck with that. We've been doing that for a long time here on Word Scott Files. We've been feeding them. We feed the stuff out. We feed it out to Channel 20. We feed it out across the state. We feed it to Politico, uh, Tallahassee Democrat, uh, any place we can get the story out because we're interested in getting the story out. And it's just crickets over there at the Gainesville Sun. Andrew Kaplan may make a difference, uh, hopefully, but other than that, you've got nobody. Uh, this Doug Ray character is not interested in anything that, that I can tell that is uh, going to be uh, negative about the local power structure here, 
at all. Uh, Cunningham is a worn out shoe. I can't, I thought we got rid of the guy. Uh, he's still over there belching out the same old hackneyed ideas. Nothing new. I don't know where the guy lives during the week. I guess he, like the ostrich, has his head in the sand, but his columns are so predictable and so shallow that you really get nothing out of them. I don't mince any words in this stuff. You know, I mean, this is the way it is. Um, I, I tried reading the guy again. I just do it. I know him, you know. Uh, it's the same old junk and, um, you know, nothing much there. Andrew Kaplan has bought into the whole, um, um, I think, not Andrew Kaplan, anyway, Kaplan. I guess is his name. I can't remember now. The editorial guy, he he's okay, but he's just young. You know, he's, you know, he's got a job to do and he does it the way his editors tell him to do it. Um, you know, I never thought I'd be able to combine a conversation to this extent about COVID and sports, but we certainly have something that's going to hit the fan here soon. And that's vaccine restrictions are in, in uh, Major League Baseball, what I call bore ball. Uh, as you know, I'm not, I played baseball as a pitcher, uh, but I still found it excruciatingly boring. Um, it, it's just too much. Way to hang, Wayne. You know, the ball hits the catcher's glove. Pop. Hey, blue. Way to hang. You know, and it's such a it's such a, a slow game that people chatter the entire time in the stands. They've got time to lean around and t uh, pitter patter with each other and go up and get a dog and a coke and whatnot and come back. Nothing's happened. I mean, uh, as I say, the only exciting play is the collision at home plate. And I sort of become where I like to see the throw out a second if they can do it without hitting the pitcher in the head. Uh, but other than that, um, but nevertheless, this is kind of an interesting tale here uh, because of Canadian border restrictions. Uh, unvaccinated players are not going to be able to enter the country to play against the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, that's going to be interesting because the Toronto Blue Jays have a pretty strong team. And um, so for the first time, uh, in Major League Baseball, we're going to be able to tell how many players in Major League Baseball have declined to take the shots. Um, so uh, the NFL, the NBA, NHL, WNBA, uh, they report that nearly all of their players have been vaccinated. But the Major League Baseball has never revealed the vaccine rate among its players. It only says that 88 percent of its tier one employees, uh, tier one uh, means more than just players, however, it also means managers and coaches and trainers uh, have been vaccinated. So you don't really know of that 88% of tier one are actual players. Um, baseball still has the lowest vaccine uh, uptake in American sports by a comfortable margin. I don't know. Don't ask me why. You know, that's just the way it is. Um, you know, the, the vaccine is like a voodoo medicine to people. Uh, all of a sudden they start doing a powwow dance or something around it. Either, oh, no, don't do that. The 300 baby a grudge arm and all this stuff. Um, so uh, the Major League Baseball has tried to incentivize vaccination, um, uh, but, but they haven't They've been too successful with it. Um, all but six clubs have um, uh, dropped the mask requirement in the dugout. Um, so, um, and the Blue Jays are pr probably, I guess, one of the best teams in the American League. Um, but uh, it could even be worse for vaccinated players in New York 
in New York, current rules in New York prohibit them from appearing in any game in the city. And that's because of the private sector mandate that even presented, prevented the NBA guys from coming in. Now, this is all being covered uh, nationally by the Wall Street Journal and the uh, USA Today, and a bunch of people are covering this. So um, this is a pretty good interest here, uh, what happens to the ball season here. Um, the, uh, uh, the, the baseball officials are cautiously optimistic that the rules will be lifted in New York, but now uh, old Fauci is making a return to the news uh, new, uh, the, 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 and he's out there saying, get ready for another Omicron return worse than the other one. So who knows? I mean, um, you know, by now everybody knows somebody who's had COVID and, um, and I unfortunately know several who've died from it. So it's, um, it is, you know, there you are. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, but you know, evidently it's going to make a, you know, something come to a head here in, the, in Major League Baseball. Um, because Major League Baseball right now, according to the journal article, has dropped most of its stringent COVID re, uh, restrictions. Uh, and players, therefore, in Major League Be Baseball won't be subject to testing in 2022 unless they develop symptoms. And it won't matter if they've been vaccinated or not. Um, they'll still have to be tested. And the unvaccinated players will still have to be quarantined. Uh, uh, and anybody they came in contact with. So, and if they're vaccinated players who get sick, uh, they'll be isolated too. So, um, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's kind of up in the air. Um, the Boston Red Sox are one of the least vaccinated teams in baseball, for whatever that's worth. And um, the, the, the whole problem is about to come to a head. And I don't have any idea how it's going to work out. Um, I'm not a real, as I say, ball fan. I go back to the Pee Wee Reese days and Roy Campanella and, and um, uh, those kind of guys. Ted Kluski, uh, uh, these, are, these are my guys that I, I remember. Um, and you know, I was interested in them as a, as a kid because they were located with a city. They stayed with that city and the fans grew up. I remember listening to the Cubs and on the radio and of course, the Cubs never won, but they were the Cubs, you know, that kind of thing. So um, uh, that's the way it is in, in, in uh, uh, boar ball. So um, the other part of the story I'm going to come into when we get back is uh, some of the local. Uh, maybe I'll just get into a couple of local stories before we take a break. Um, and that is uh, Lenin has been removed from the UF library. Uh, can you believe it? I mean, it is, it's incredible. I've never heard of the woke um, people backpedaling or anybody confronting them or anybody telling them, you know, that's just enough. Um, you know, well, Lennon's, Lennon's little safe room over there in the Smathers Library is now no longer. There's no more Lennon. Can you believe it? Who'd have thunk it? You know, so that's one education issue locally that really is surprising. The other one, which is of no surprise, is that uh, there's all this uh, complaining and grousing and, and, and about how still Dion McGraw shall return. Dion McGraw shall return, God forbid, you know? Um, and uh, we'll see how that works out. So the school board is still in turmoil. I did hear from the school board grapevine that the lady who had been briefly 
uh, 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 the uh, superintendent absolutely was not in the least, and she's a minority, was not in the least bit interested in getting involved with those historical uh, hysterical minorities who were trying to run the uh, race agenda through the school board curriculum. This lady was not even in the, as arm's length from those people and uh, is, going, is in drop and is going to uh, quietly go out to pasture at the appropriate time without getting involved with that mess. So more power to her. She probably would have been a good superintendent, therefore. Um, but, you know, there it is. And that's the way it is before we take our break. And who, who, who knows where we go from here? But I think that um, uh, some elections coming up, question will remain whether or not you can rewrite the ship at all, because there is such a thing as a, as a, you know, the democratic power system here. Um, they keep talking about affordable housing and they're cramming affordable housing in every nook and cranny neighborhood they can, but the GRU rates are less and less affordable and they never mention them. And they're going up, up, up. Be right back on the Ward Scott Files. We'll take a little break here for all the people who support us, which we greatly appreciate. And we're right back on the Ward Scott Files. This is Ward Scott. And I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. The Ward Scott Files gold sponsors are On the Spot Dry Cleaners, Okita America Martial Arts, R&R Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.awardscottfiles.com and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. If your brains were lard, you couldn't grease a small frying pan. <laughs> to call you stupid would be an insult to stupid people. Octone, octone. The papers are not in order. Step out of the line and report to the inspection station. You're going to search your belongings. Much now. At Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me. Help. Help. All right, welcome back to the Ward Scott Files. Professor Ward Scott here just got finished being kind of coach hog and morphed into Professor Hog. And um, there you are. So I had a couple hats on there that first part. Uh, back to my professorial hat now with you, my students, on the Ward Scott Files in the Melvin Law Studio. And uh, we are 352-335-3938. And we're also on the Facebook chat here, which I'm watching. Uh, I want to talk a little bit now about that which was involved in the first part of the show here. And that's the whole controversy about Leah Thomas at the... Um, uh, swimming at New Penn, University of Pennsylvania, being really a, a male and swimming against females, and, and nobody wants to call it what it is. And so 
Uh, now the, the object of a corporate media scorn is the don't say gay bill. Uh, but as the Wall Street Journal has pointed out in some other publications that are really looking at this objectively as, 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 uh, as, as, as um, uh, you know, you, you find you find after a while, uh, you know, what what sort of is objective, and what isn't. We know the New York Times is not. Uh, we know that even Barr the other day came out and said in all probability, and I'm going to try to cover this story today a little bit, uh, the cover up on Hunter's laptop uh, contributed to the defeat of Trump uh, because the corporate media refused to do anything negative on Biden or anything close to Biden. Just kept it covered up. They did the same thing with Kennedy. Uh, the corporate media then uh, created this kind of Camelot fantasy world of Kennedy. They didn't bring out anything about Kennedy's daddy uh, being involved with the Wiki man, uh, Whiskey Boys, anything about what might have swung the election with Daly in, in Chicago and the, the gang there that ran that town. And they covered that all up. Um, so uh, when these uh, when the media pick and pick sides, it's kind of um, can be influential. Um, if they don't come out and say they picked a side. If I pick a side, I'm going to tell you that I picked a side. I'm going to tell you why I picked the side. And then you can, of course, factor that into your discussion. Uh, there's, uh, it's, it's the people who don't uh, say they picked a side. They, they exercise a hidden agenda and, and uh, they don't ever talk about it. Uh, that irks you the most. Like the Gainesville Sunset has this huge hidden agenda. And that is to perpetuate the woke values and perpetuate the Libya liberal uh, mafia here and, and kowtow to them and and, um, and get along to get along. Um, so you can't really trust them. And I think they even select the print. I look at those selections and I think, my golly, you know, and if you want to get a completely 180 degree turn, just cross the border south of us and go to Marion County. I mean, it's like going from the North Pole to the South Pole. It's completely different. Um, and it's just um, a whole different dem demographics and economic base. And of course, the most profound thing that influences your attention right away is there's no big state university in Marion County. And then you begin to realize the extent to which the state university here, university, if it's liberal, how much that therefore corrupts the, the paper, corrupts the community. Um, a lot of these commissioners are children of Professors, uh, P. Green underhand is a is a child of a professor. Um, grew up in the she's a hothouse plant. Grew up here and went to all the little uh, schools here and played with all the little kids and and uh, thought all the little thoughts and all the things that you're supposed to think of when you come from that uh, uh, you know that protected area of the world. And then you end up perpetuating it by getting on the commissions and saying things that then, of course, appeal to those which, which raised them. And you can't break it. But if you get out of the community and get out of Marion County, uh, you'll find there's a lot more clarity of mind. And it's ironic because you would think that the university would promote clarity of mind, but it doesn't. It absolutely does not. It, it, it promotes a, a shutdown mind. Uh, and it can be vicious, if you say. Uh, so we have this don't say gay bill that's been mischaracterized all over the place because um, the opponents are calling it and the corporate media is calling it a don't say gay bill. Uh, uh, but the, uh, um, the you know, it, it doesn't say gay. 
And by the word, I'm, I'm, by the way, I'm, I'm, I hate the fact that the gays have stolen the word gay. Uh, there's a great Chekhov short story uh, called the, the, the uh, Lament uh, that uh, is a magnificent short story uh, translated, of course, out of, out of Russian into English. And uh, there are better uh, versions. There are translators, there are translators than there are translators. To really translate, you can't, you can't just be a person who translates because you know Russian and you know English, let's say. You must be a poet who knows Russian and knows English because of the nuances uh, that a poet would be sensitive to uh, much more acutely than a regular translator. So in the beginning of the lament, uh, there are three uh, passengers who get on a carriage, which is a cab, uh, which uh, Chekhov uses the word to describe them as gay young men. And when I'm going over that story with students when I was in the classroom, invariably, absolutely invariably, there'll be somebody who points out, are they, are they homosexual? You see, the word has been stolen, all right? Chekhov, yes, that's the last thing he had in mind. What he meant was that they were tipsy coming from the bars. They were jovial. They were happy. They were lightsome. They were getting up and joking and telling the cab driver to move on. Let's go now. And the last thing the word had anything whatsoever to do with was sex. And invariably, there's some kid out there in the classroom. Are they homosexual? Or does a cab driver, is he homophobic? You know, and that is the extent to which that child student in the classroom can engage the meaning of Chekhov's story. And this is exactly, you know, and listen, there's nobody in America who can teach you what I just taught you, Okay. First of all, I doubt there's anybody listening to me who's heard of Anton Chekhov. Secondly, I doubt if there's anybody listening to me who has read the story La Lament. And thirdly, I doubt there's anybody listening to me who knows that the word gay is in the opening section of the Lament. Right? I, I will wager that. I don't care whom you listen to. They don't know it. So now this word has been stolen. And the corporate media has ruined it, as we say. Not ruined, but ruined it. As we say in the South, I think he ruined it. So what does a seven-page bill actually say? One section says schools generally, quote, may not discourage or prohibit parental notification of and involvement in critical decisions affecting a student's mental, emotional, or physical health or well-being, end quote. It also says parents can't be blocked from, quote, education and health records created, maintained, or used by the school, end quote. I'm going to tell you a couple of stories that have been told to me. I have a teacher friend who told me, it was an elementary school teacher, 
who said that there was a little guy that they had in class who would come to class with girls underwear on. Now, this is the first grade. Are you with me? And the teachers asked the little guy if the story, what is, why have you got the girls' underwear on? And he said, are you ready for this? My mother makes me wear them. So the mother was trying to make her son. Not the school. Another section says, quote, classroom instruction by school personnel or third parties on sexual orientation or gender identity may not occur in kindergarten through grade three or in a manner that is not age appropriate, end quote. Now, the wrinkle in this is what do you do with a parent who's trying to turn this boy into a girl because the parent's head's not screwed on right? But that doesn't matter to the corporate media. They don't care about getting the facts straight. They don't care about digging deep. The reporters are all young and dumb. The kindergartners, according to the intent of the bill, are supposed to be learning how to read and write, right? I, I can tell you this right now, and I was a very precocious kindergartner. Kindergartner. I can, I'll tell you again the story how I got in trouble. In kindergarten. I had grown up on the farms eating bread made on the farm. Whole wheat, dark, heavy, nutritional bread. We had a spokes lady, I don't know what they were called then, come to the school to teach us all about enriched bread. We had tried this, my buddies and I, had tried eating what we would do. We, we would put the white bread in our mouth and hold it there, and it would literally dissolve into a kind of a wad of dough. And we'd spit it out. So I knew a little bit about it when it came, and the lady came and was touting enriched bread. And dumb me... I raised my hand and asked, why do you call it enriched if you take all the good stuff out of the bread and leave only the dough? Well, that, my dear friends, was the first time I realized I was different. Because I got in trouble for that. And I was reprimanded for embarrassing the speakers. So maybe... But even then, I don't remember any teacher ever coming to me and saying, look down and see what you got. Are you happy with what you got? Would you rather be a girl? Would you rather wear a dress? I don't ever remember anybody ever saying that to me. And I would have thought I was, it was a pervert talking to me if the teacher had come and said that. I would have thought the teacher was a pervert. If I'm smart enough to know that enriched bread is a big lie, I will guarantee you I'd be smart enough to know that the teacher was a pervert if they came and asked me if I wanted to wear girls' underwear. 
I mean, come on. Well, they call it now sexual orientation. The bill also says that older children could be taught age-appropriate material. So it's not, gay, gay doesn't appear anything, anywhere in it. Now, earlier versions of the bill apparently said that primary schools could not encourage classroom discussion about sexual orientation, and the critics said this was vague. And what if a teacher asked students to draw and describe their families and one had two moms? Oh, my God, what ifs? The what ifs? Oh, my God. Here we go again. The, the prisms you look at through the glasses you wear. Unbelievable. So, anyway, and oh, I, let's pull up. I'm, I'm going to get this production. Could you please just, I'm so irritated. Put up the picture of Jen Pazaki or whatever her name is and the, the dadgum Russian KGB lady chasing James Bond, just, huh? There she is. God knows. There they are. There they are. So the White House press secretary claims that the bill is out to hurt children and claims that the bill is trying to hurt. Are you ready for this? And discriminate, discriminate, that's a big word, isn't it? Discriminate against members of the LGBTQ, I don't know, add a couple more, WXYZ community. Said it's mean and it's wanting to make kids have more difficult times in school. And I'll be darned if that goofy CEO of Disney, well, that's all fantasy anyway. We understand that. I mean, that whole place is a BS. I have never, listen, our family home, when my family came down to Florida in the 40s, ended up being a 10-minute drive, 20-minute drive from Disney. I asked my mother if she'd ever been to Disney. She said, no, it's all fantasy. I have never been to Disneyland, Disney World, whatever they call it. I am not in the least bit interested so it really doesn't matter to me what the disney ceo thinks the purpose of the bill is to focus on learning instead of promoting a cultural agenda and that is what is going on all through education why do you think they want Dion mcgraw back on the school board why do you think they're belly aching and complaining because they don't care about the classroom they want a cultural agenda a cultural agenda, and blame everybody but themselves. By the way, I just want to throw this in. A Bolshoi ballerina has resigned over the war. You know, I'm much associated with ballet dancers. And the Russian prima ballerina, Olga Sermova, quit Moscow's world-renowned Bolshoi and is going to perform for the Dutch National Ballet 
and has denounced Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Now, there's a lot of stuff being written out there and we're trying to figure out, and I don't know if I'll ever get time to really delve into it. I'm going to try. What in the world, why would the Biden family be so attracted to Ukraine? And why would they put this Hunter Biden on all these boards and pay this guy a bunch of money if ergo, it were not for the fact that Ukraine really wasn't a democracy, it's actually a corrupt deal. And, you know, here's where I lose that narrative. I can follow the narrative up to that point because I'm suspicious about anybody that would carve out a relationship with Hunter Biden about anything. I mean, I wouldn't go around the block with that guy. Um, but, but I don't see Russia as a savior. So that narrative, you know, I've had some of the research team guys send me some articles about this and I've read through them and I can only follow it up to a certain extent. And then I don't see anything good about Russia's behavior at all. When you destroy cities, when you destroy hospitals, when you destroy schools, when you displace all these people who have nothing to do with the government, for what? I don't get it. And then we, of course, sit on our hands. We don't do anything. We do nothing. And it's even been uh, shown that Biden sent signals to Russia it was okay. I mean, he wouldn't arm Ukraine. He wouldn't do a, a you know, and, and of course, Putin took a look at that guy and said, this country is so screwed up. Uh, how can we possibly uh, be, uh, uh, how can they possibly deter us? Um, and even when you have Biden, Hunter Biden's laptop, you know, uh, the thing is, I just went through this. This is kind of interesting. Uh, two years, the New York Times uh, denied the story, okay, that there was anything to Hunter's laptop. Now, even old Barr has come out and said the denial of that story really had an impact on the presidential election. It resulted in more votes, Barr saying this, for Biden, because the press kept, uh, the corporate media kept this thing out of the public eye. Um, the political published a story with claims from intelli intelligence officials calling the story Russian disinfo. They never did any independent work to verify what they said, okay? Um, Rolling Stone, um, it, it just goes on and on. It, it just never really, you know, of course we play, I think we played Leslie Stahl, did we play that uh, uh, production? We played that, did we not? Uh, let's play it again. We got a second to play it again. You got it queued up there somewhere? He'll give me a signal. I can see him. You guys can't see him. He'll tell me if he gets it queued up. Uh, Leslie Stahl talking to Trump and, and Trump saying, what's wrong with you, Leslie? And Leslie Stahl saying, oh, there's nothing to this. It's all, it's all a bunch of crap, you know. Um, it's called now the laptop from hell because apparently all kinds of stuff is on there. And, and, and you know, he stupidly or in a stupor left it in some in some. Uh, uh, place where have you found it? Evan? Yeah. 
Okay, we're going to play this right now. We think we got the right one. If you haven't seen it, you'll take a look at it. And you think it's the biggest issue to campaign on? I think it's this. I think it's one of the biggest scandals I've ever seen, and you don't cover it. Because you want to talk about? Well, because it can't be verified. You want to talk I'm about insignificant you. things? I'm telling you. Of course, it can be verified. Excuse we, me. We they found the laptop, Leslie. Leslie. Can't be verified. What can't be verified? The laptop. Why do you say that? Because even the family hasn't. The family on the laptop. He's gone into hiding for five days. He's gone into hiding. He's preparing for your debate. Oh, it's taken him five days to prepare. I doubt it. I doubt it. Okay. All right. Go ahead. So let's get back to the name. All right. We played that again for you. I think we played it once before, but it's it's just typical. It's typical. And, uh, you know, she's, she, you know, it's just typical of the corporate media. Um, you know, they, they, they don't have, I don't know if they have a, have had a lobotomy or what the heck is wrong with them, but it just doesn't, the brain doesn't connect to the tongue with those people. I uh, just want to cover this last little story before we have to get off here about three minutes. Do you know that Russia is all over Africa? All over the place. Um, while we're looking at this deal with Ukraine, where is Russia really going unnoticed? Well, of course, South America too. But 25 of Africans, 54 nations, abstained or did not record a vote in the UN General Assembly resolution earlier this month condemning Russia. Because many of the nations on the continent, that continent has, according to uh, uh, Rodney Mazuba, and I can't remember to pronounce these names, who are writing about this in Associated Press, the continent of Africa has 1.3 billion people who have long, continuous ties and support from Moscow, dating all the way back to the Cold War. And the relations have strengthened in the recent years. Um, Russia, along with China, is expanding its influence in Africa, enlarging its economic footprint to include everything from agricultural programs to energy plants. In 2019, according to the AP article, dignitaries from 43 African nations attended a summit with Russia, which has also become the dominant exporter of weapons into the sub-Saharan African area. Uh, um, these developments have long, have largely gone unnoticed or unaddressed by us in this country. European Union leaders um, haven't gotten involved in it. Um, this is a ticking time bomb that's going on throughout Africa and is beginning to, of course, go on. It has been going on ever since uh, Kennedy flinched on Cuba all through our hemisphere. Um, uh, about the only ones who have criticized Russia are Kenya and Ghana. Uh, everybody else on the continent uh, is celebrating some sort of alliance with Russia. So um, there you are. Uh, Russia is all over Cape Town and South Africa. Um, and the reason South Africans endorse Russia and Africa is because Russia was not a colonizer of Africa. So you see how this makes sense to them psychologically and all these 16, 19, quote unquote, African hyphen Americans, African hyphen Americans 
when you see African hyphen Americans, keep in mind that Africa is in cahoots with Russia and China. And we've got the documentation to it. We know it. We know by the way the votes go in the United Nations. We know uh, uh, Zimbabwe president uh, has praised Russia and China as dependable pillars, uh, citing the guns they provide and the training they provide uh, fighters. Uh, there's major investments there in uh, Africa by these people. So we'll continue this story a little bit more out of time now. Uh, but it's uh, much more complicated than just the Ukraine. Have a great day. We're going to have a, a guest for you tomorrow, and we'll be announcing that a little bit later on Facebook.